welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks. All right, today we're going to be continuing uh, week two, part two of the series that we started last week on the blessed life, okay? Now, one of the ladies in our church texted me this morning. She said, I'm unable to be here this morning, but this book is so awesome. She said, I bought several extra copies to donate. So I'm going to have a few books. I don't have them with me today, but next week I'm going to have a few books. So if you want to get one, I don't know how many she has, maybe one, maybe two. So uh, let me know if you want one. I want to get that book in your hand. Um, But out of this whole series that we're going to be doing, The Blessed Life, I think today is the most important message you could get out of the whole series. So I want you to really grab hold of this. And uh, it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. uh, This message is really, really for you. The Blessed Life, today's message is on first things first. Everybody say first things first. First things first. You have to put the first things first. If God is not first in your life, then nothing else really ever works right. Your marriage, your health, your finances, everything. When God is first in your life, everything seems to fall in place because God is a God of order. And we have to put first things first. Now, a lot of people believe that God is first in their life. And I shared this last week, but you can, the Bible says that Where a man's treasure is, there his heart is also. So a lot of people that believe that God is number one in their life, you could go to their bank account and tell some of the things that are probably number one in their life. Uh, I shared last week that I was flipping through my checkbook, uh, getting ready for this series, just seeing what checks I write. And uh, God and my housekeeper, or the lady who cleans my house, are the number one and number twos in my life. Uh, that's where my treasure is, L- laundry, okay? Uh, laundry is, uh, is important to me, and that's where some of my money goes. That's where the most of my checks go, because that is important. But a lot of my money goes to the church. Um, but it's not the way for everybody, and we're going to talk about this this morning, is putting first things first. So everybody, please stand with me. We're going to start in the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 17. Now, anytime you start talking about money and finances, it becomes a a tough subject in the church to talk about. But today is not about that. Today is about the blessed life and and the things that we are holding God back from releasing inside of our lives. Now, in 1 Kings, let me kind of set it up. They're in a little bit of an economic recession during this season when this is written, okay? Uh, How many of you remember about six, eight years ago, we kind of went through, the country kind of went through a recession, a a, a difficult time. But they spent, Israel spent about three and a half years in famine and drought, okay? So most theologians believe that this passage we're about to read was written anywhere from six months to a year uh, into this drought, into this famine. So we pick up here. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 8, says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, now it's talking about Elijah here, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath. 
When he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and said, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink it. I thought that's the first thing that's kind of cool is he asked for water in the middle of a drought. So he says, bring me some water so that I can drink it. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil uh, in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Verse 13 says, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you, do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. Father, I pray right now over this, this message that's about to be delivered to, to your people. God, I pray that a, a brand new revelation of life a life-giving revelation will just flow in this place, God. Lord, I pray that, that we catch it, that, that we begin to live it out, Lord. God, I, I just ask that your anointing just continue to rest over this house and this place, God, and, and anoint each and every believer in here. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Now... This is an amazing story, one of my favorite stories. The whole, the whole story of Elijah in 1 Kings, as he goes to Mount Carmel, as he, as he takes on the prophets of Baal and calls fire down from hell, all the things that he does, uh, just some of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible. But this is an amazing story, and we know that it's talking about a widow, and from what we can gather from this, this passage and from some other references in the Bible, this widow has one son, Okay. They're in a bad famine. It's, the drought is so bad, she's left with just a little oil and a little flour. And she's about to go make a meal. She says, I'm going to go make a meal. We're going to eat and we're going to die. This is her last supper. She knows it's done. But Elijah says something to her. He says, okay, go and make me some food first. That doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense that she would say that. I'm wondering if when he, when, when he said that to her, she looked at him, she smiled, and she walked away and said, this guy's nuts. He has lost his mind. Okay, we're in the middle of a drought. We're in the middle of a famine. We have nothing. I just told him that I'm about to fix my last meal and we're going to die. Me and my son, we're going to die. And he's wanting me to give him something. What a selfish little, you know, Right? Come on, all us religious people, you know that the flesh had to come in there and love it. She walks away. I wonder how many people on Sunday mornings, when we start talking about offering, they feel the same way. They go, you know what? He doesn't even know what it's like. Pastor Jared has no clue what we're going through. He has no clue how many bills we have, how many hospital bills, and, and this is added up, and this is added up. He has no clue what my life is like. He's all blessed and, and living it up high, you know, and, and now he's talking about me giving him money so that he can be rich. Nobody's ever thought that in this church, probably, but in other churches, I believe it's happened, and, we, and, and, and the offering's taken up, and we start going, he's crazy. 
He's crazy. We don't have any money. And, and we all say the same thing. I said it last week. Uh, there are two kinds of people in the church. There's tithers and non-tithers. Tithers always talk about being blessed. And non-tithers always talk about they just can't afford to tithe. They want to tithe. They just can't afford. And so sometimes that's what people think. They look at me when we start talking about money and they go, you lost your mind. But you have to understand that, that when we give a little bit to God, God wants to give back to us. Last week we said it, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God wants to give back. Whatever you give, you receive. We talked about giving love, you receive love. We talked about giving judgment, you receive judgment. This is a, a promise that God's given us in the Bible. And listen, when things are tight in your life, especially in your finances, that's the perfect time to start giving to the kingdom of God. So notice, God sends Elijah to a widow. That's funny to me, because why wouldn't God send Elijah to a rich man? Right? God says, hey, you're my man. You're the man of God. I'm going to send you. I'm going to take care of you, Pastor Kevin. I'm going to send you to a place called Humble, Texas, and there's going to be a rich man waiting for you. He's got everything. He's got extra cars for you if you need to borrow a car. His cupboards runneth over, and I'm going to bless you. Instead, he says, I'm going to send you to a widow who ain't got squat for you. And what she has, I want you to take it from her. Right? This is, this is the story that we're reading here. And he sends her to a widow. There's something that you have to catch in this story. Okay? You can't miss it. A lot of people miss this. God did not send Elijah to the widow for the widow to provide for Elijah. But God sent Elijah to the widow so that God could provide for the widow. That's the whole point of this story. And that's the point of the story that we miss. We think that, uh, that God is taking care of Elijah. And so to take care of Elijah, he sends her to a widow. That's not what happened. God was looking after the widow. He was watching after the widow. God wants to provide. He's, he's teaching the widow a lesson. He says, you know what? If you get your finances in biblical order and you set first the kingdom of God, let me tell you, I will bless you. I will bless your socks off if you will just put things in order. Most, most people never see miracles for God, from God because they never put God in a place to do a miracle in their life. We all pray at some point or another for God to do a miracle in our finances. But when you don't ever allow God inside of your finances, God can't do a miracle in your finances. Had, it took faith for this lady to do what she was doing, amen? She, she goes in, she turns around from Elijah, he tells her, I want you to go and make me a cake. So she turns around, she, she goes in, and to do what she was doing takes faith. Now, had she not had faith, to do what she was about to do, she was about to eat her miracle and her blessing. Okay? Without faith, she was about to eat her miracle and her blessing. When you put God first, your natural resources, he adds a super to that natural, and it becomes a supernatural provision that God just begins to bless and bless and bless. See, man, our perspective is what else can I do to make more, to get more? Okay? I need to get more. I need to make more. I need to work harder. I need to get more. I need to make more. 
I mean, we all do it. Pastor Jared does it. Pastor Jared's thinking about business opportunities. How can we start another business to make money and stuff? But the, the promise that God's saying, look, if you put your finances in biblical order, I will give you press down, shaking together, running over. You'll be blessed. This is a promise. See, God didn't send Elijah for Elijah to be taken care of by the widow. And, and I'll prove it because here's, here's how God takes care of Elijah before the widow 1 Kings chapter 17. The Bible says this. The ravens. Everybody say ravens. Now these are birds. Okay. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. And bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Elijah was taken care of. He didn't, God didn't even need a widow. He used a bird. After the widow. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 5. Then, as he lay in sleep, he was talking about Elijah, he was under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. He looked there beside him and there was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. He didn't even use the widow for this. Just a little bit of trivia here. This is the first recording ever of angel food cake. Okay. And it goes to prove right there. See, I, Elijah says, I want you to go and, and bring me the bread in your hand. And she says, uh, I don't have anything. And he says, actually, go make me a cake. Okay? This just proves that men love cake. Yep. That all men of God, we love cake. Okay? Cake is necessary. With, with me trying to diet, I have to keep this into perspective that cake is still necessary because it's biblical. <laughs> I've prayed over this. God didn't send, God didn't need this widow to provide for Elijah, but God was wanting to provide for her. There's a reason God didn't send Elijah to a rich man, because there was a widow that was in need of a miracle. She needed a miracle in her life. She needed a miracle in her house. And God said, how can I get a miracle to her? You know what? I'm going to put a test in her life. I'm going to test her. I'm going to give her an opportunity to put first things first and to put me first. And then I'm going to bless her life. And you know what happens after, after she puts first things first? Her son dies. Her son dies, and in First Kings 17, 21, Elijah says he stretched himself out on the child three times, cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul came back to the child, and he revived. He came back to life. That's a big deal. Okay, maybe you see that happen all the time. I don't see it happen all the time, but that's a big deal. Don't you think that God knew maybe her son was sick and about to die? Don't you think that God knew that it wasn't the flour and the oil that she was really in need of, but there was something bigger that she was in need of? See, we see the surface. God, I need this, and how am I going to pay my bill, and how am I going to do this? God's saying, that's the least of your worries. If you'll put first things first, I'm going to bless the big things that you don't even see coming yet. I, you're about to have a death in your family. You're about to have a tragedy, a loss, and I'm going to step in. And when you put first things first, I'm going to provide the, the flour and the oil. That's no big deal. I, I'm going to leave it there until I send the rain. You're going to be taken care of. But when you put first things first, I'm going to revive a son who is sick and he's dying. You need this miracle. Wow, isn't that powerful? Can I get somebody to help me this morning say amen? 
you give God first, there's two things that that tithing and giving to God really brings. One, it's provision. Two, (coughs) it's protection. You give God first, and he'll give you provision and, and protection. And Malachi, he says, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, I will open up the windows of heaven. He's talking about provision. He says, and then I'm going to rebuke the devourer. He's talking about protection, provision and protection. When we put God first, that's the things that he provides to us. Listen, what if God said to us, Jay, you give me the first 10%. And I'm going to take that 10% and I'm going to bless it more than you can even imagine. And you're going to have more than if you hadn't even given it to me. And then I'm going to stand at the door of your house. And as I stand at the door of the house, I'm not going to allow Satan in. I'm not going to allow the enemy. What if God said that? He did say it. That's what he said. But we don't really believe that. Because if we did, our... Giving to God would reflect that. I didn't expect big amens, but there's, I, I mean, I, I expect a couple of nods in the back, you know. Just saying, that's true. I mean, it's true. I don't want to admit it, but it's true. But when we believe that, when we believe that God said, I'm going to take the little that you give me, I'm going to bless it. I'm going to multiply it. And so that you have flour and oil and it never runs out. And, and not only that, I'm going to protect you. And when Satan comes in, he tries to steal, kill, and destroy your life. I'm going to step in. I'm going to say, no, 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 no. Not this house. Not today. That's the kind of provision and protection that God is giving us. This lady, she has to step out in faith. <laughs> the first thing Elijah, Elijah says to her is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have to walk in faith. It takes faith to give that first 10%, right? Yeah. That's why, that's why he says to give the first 10. It takes faith to give the first 10. It wouldn't have taken this lady any faith at all if she would have said, okay, I hear what you're saying. My, my son is sick. He's really sick. We're, we're dying. We're starving. We haven't had food in, in forever, and, and we're, we're on our last meal. We've made it last as long as possible. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, and I'm going to fix a meal. And my son and I, we're going to eat, but we're going to give you everything that's left over. Everything. That's, gener- that's generous. That's nice. She didn't have to do that. But faith says, okay, I'm going to give you first. And then we'll see. See, faith says, I'm going to give you my firstborn, not knowing that I have, I'll get any more. A lack of faith says, okay, wait, 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 wait. When I get 10, I promise I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you the 10th one, okay? Just let me get, let me get my 10 together, right? Yeah. Oh, man, I was, I was so sorry. I was, I'm stepping on something here. But I want us to understand that <coughs> there's a faith required in our giving and in our sowing. And the faith is that we trust you, God, that when, when you ask for the first, we give you the first trusting Trusting that you're going to provide. That we don't wait and pay all of our bills. Make sure that everything's taken care of. And then we say, okay, I still got 10% left. So I'm going to pay. And we call it tithe. That's not what the Bible calls it. So so this is (coughs) what kind of happens when when we look way back in in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. Okay? Genesis chapter 4, a lot of people 
believe that Cain and Abel were twins. Some people really argue it, that they weren't. I don't care either way. It doesn't affect me. But the Bible says this in Genesis chapter 4. It says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. In other words, he slept with her. And he conceived, and she conceived, and bore Cain. And said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. So it says she delivered twice, but it only says she conceived once. So some people argue that they're twins. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the land. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell, so that the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, in other words, if you bring an offering the way I'm telling you to bring it, will it not be accepted? And if you do not do well, now watch what happens. If you, if you don't bring offering that God's asking you to bring, he says sin lies at the door. <coughs> he didn't say you're a sinner. He said you're opening the door to an attack. Sin lies at the door and its desire is to destroy you. In other words, you're opening the door, and, and when you give the way I'm asking you to give, I provide and I protect. When you don't, you rob me of the opportunity to protect you. And there's a sin, there's an evil that's laying there waiting to take and to steal from you, and it desires to have you. And he says, but you must master it. Now Cain talked with his brother Abel, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Now listen, God accepts Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's sacrifice. Abel brings the firstborn, and Cain didn't bring the first fruits. But I want to ask you a question. Why didn't he bring the first fruits? It's, this is the first recorded offering that we see in the Bible. But scholars will tell you this is not the first offering. It's just the first offering. Recorded offering. And here's why. Because Abel brings what is accepted to God. So that tells us that there's an established system put in place. We don't know exactly when or how, but there's already been a system that's put in place because Abel brings what is accepted to God. So Cain really had a heart issue. Okay? We talked about this last week about an, a, a heart issue and that giving really boils down to a heart issue. So point number one that I'm going to make today is the heart of Cain. So how would you know what is in Cain's heart? Well, the Bible tells us in another passage in Jude, Jude chapter 11, it says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Woe to them, they have gone the way of Cain. They have run greedily in Arab Balaam, Balaam, for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Okay? They have gone the way of Cain. Say, there's a, a greed and, and a rebellion that comes with that spirit that Cain had. Let me tell you something. A lot of, a lot of the reason people struggle with giving, with giving is because it's a greed issue. Okay? 
Uh, because we live in a, in a generation where we, we hoard. We have TV shows about it, right? We have a TV show. It's called Hoarders. Have you ever watched it? It's amazing. Of the TV show, I get grossed out every time I watch it, and I don't know, and I'm asking myself, why are you watching this stupid show? But you just watch it, and they're finding, like, flattened cats and stuff. I'm sorry if it's too gory, but it's nasty. And these people hoard, and, and we laugh, but we do the same thing. Maybe not to that extent, but we hoard and we save up because we think, you know what? I got to hold. I got to save for a rainy day. I don't know what's going to happen. I got to save for my house. I got to save for my car. I got to save for school. And, and we hoard up and we hoard up. And it's protection. I've got to protect in case something happens, in case there's a, a catastrophe or a disaster. And we do that. We hoard up. And we hold things. And, and that's, that's a greed that we start to struggle with. And so when it comes to giving to the church, giving to the kingdom... We struggle with that. It's not as easy as it sounds. And that's what happens with Cain. <laughs> as he, he develops this greed in his heart. That's why the Bible says they went the way of Cain. And this is exactly where he's at. There's a standard that's been put into place. And we have to remember this. But the Bible says that Cain, in the process of time. okay, In Hebrew it reads, At the end of days it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the Lord, okay? So Cain's offering was in the process of time. In other words, Cain was saying, I'll bring you an offering when I want and how I want, okay? There's a system that's been put into place. Abel brings the firstborn, but the Bible says that Cain, over the process of time, he harvested over a process at the end of days, Whenever it was convenient, after he had gathered everything, he looked at everything he had and he says, hey, I'm going to give an offering. And he gives it. But there's a system put in place and that's why he's confronted with God on this. Okay? Cain knew what he was supposed to give. So the people, some people will argue that. That Cain didn't know what he was supposed to give. But I'm telling you, Cain knew what he was supposed to give because there was a, a system that was put into place. He got bitter. He began to blame Abel. He began to blame other people for his problems. He began to walk around and say, well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. Because that's what happens when we start to develop that, that greedy heart and that angry heart. We start to put our problems on everybody else. But Cain had a heart issue and he had a bad attitude and he blamed everyone else for his problems. And it's very clear that the Bible says you're to give your first fruits to God. So, here's a scripture, a great scripture that I want to read in the New Living Translation because I really like the way it reads. It says, Proverbs 19, verse 3, it says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry with God. Okay? People want to do it their own way. People want to do everything their own way, and then when it doesn't work out the way they thought it should, it's God's fault. I mean, I love God. That's what we all, I, I love God. I, I go to church faithfully or I do this faithfully. I have two Bibles in my house. And then get, this is what I get in return. And we blame God. Proverbs 3.19. This will teach you why we're supposed to give our first fruits. Proverbs 3 verse 9. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all, everybody say all, all your increase. 
so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23:19 says, "The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord." That settles any debate on where you're supposed to give your tithe. Where your tithe and your first fruits are supposed to go. So the first thing is the heart of Cain. The second issue is the heart of Abel. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. It says, By faith, Abel offered to God more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witnesses that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. Now, it says gifts. That's plural. Okay, I learned that when I was a little kid. Uh, gifts means more than one. They added an S on there. So Abel is a good gift giver. He does this often. And through it, he, through it, he being dead still speaks. Okay? We're still teaching lessons even today based on Cain's life because God testified of Cain that Cain was a good giver, that he gave good gifts, and it all goes back to his firstborn. Yeah. Abel was a man of faith. That's why he offers up the first 10%. That's why it takes faith to give that first 10%. When you give your first 10%, God will, will do something. When you put it in the kingdom of God, watch what happens to your provision. Watch what happens to your protection that's over your life. This principle goes all throughout the Bible. In the book of Joshua, chapter 6, verse 19, this is talking about when they go, the children of Israel go into the promised land. They take over the promised land. It says, but all the silver and gold, vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated or set apart to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Another version says they shall come into the house of the Lord. Okay, so it doesn't say 10% there, right? Here's why. It's because the children of Israel are moving into the promised land. Jericho is the first city that they meet up with, okay? Now, if you think about it, the children of Israel, there's three million plus children of Israel, okay? They go in, and the first city that they come to is Jericho. So they conquer Jericho. They do exactly what God tells them to do. They march around the city. Most of you know the story. On the seventh day, they marched seven times. They shouted on the seventh time. The walls came tumbling down. Some people believe that that was an earthquake. I think it's really convenient that God said, walk around seven days. On the seventh day, do it seven times, then shout, and then the walls are going to fall. And it just happens to be at the same time an earthquake hits. Either way, what a blessing. But here's what happens. God says, everything that's in Jericho, everything you see in Jericho is to come into the house of God. Okay? Come into the house of God. So they wipe out Jericho. Now, they spend seven years. The children of Israel are going into the promised land. I'll give you some background here. They spend seven years, which is a number of completion, fighting. And then they spend seven years settling in Israel. Okay? The first city they come to, God says, everything in it belongs to me, okay? So then they go to the next city. The next city is Ai, okay? They go to Ai. They fight. They're on a high. They just destroyed Jericho, this awesome fortified city. Now, in the promised land where they're at, there are seven Canaanite tribes, 31 fortified cities. So they just took out the first city. They get to the second city. They start fighting. And you know what happens? 
they're, this city's killing off the Israelites like crazy. They're destroying them. They end up taking over the city, but they lost a ton of people. So now the Israelites, they're defeated and they're going, Why, God? Why have you abandoned us? Why have you abandoned us? You know what happened? They found out that someone, one man, Achan, took from Jericho and stole and kept for himself. He hoarded. He was protecting his own, his family, and he kept for himself. Now, and this, I'm way off my notes for a second, so just hang with me. But there's a lesson in this. The lesson is that when you obey God with all your heart, God is a God of order, and he'll provide. When we disobey God, there's consequences that come with that. So they fight this city, and even though God eventually gave it to them, and they won, they lost a lot of people, and they blamed God. And God's like, look, I told you that in Jericho, all of that is mine. All of that is to go back to the house of the Lord. And Achan stole. So one man caused repercussions for three million people because he wasn't obedient to God. The reason that God gave them Jericho and took everything is that Jericho was the tithe for these other cities that, that they were about to take over. Genesis 22, and I'm not going to read all this, I'm just going to paraphrase, but it's the story of Abraham, and God tells him to give Isaac, and, and this is pretty standard in the area they lived in. This wasn't a weird request, this was pretty natural for that, that, that era, and God says, I want you to sacrifice your firstborn. Abraham goes up, and he's about to sacrifice, and right before he does, God says, no, stop, 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 stop. I don't want you to sacrifice your son. I don't want your son. I just wanted you to be obedient. And he provided a ram in the thicket. And that was the firstborn. And so God over and over and over keeps continuing to provide. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. There is a promise that we get. We put God first Everything else falls into place. When we went back to Cain and Abel, <laughs> the firstborn and the first fruits, it says that Cain was offended with God. And God wouldn't accept his, or it says Cain was offended and God would not accept his offering. Let me tell you something. Um, God was offended because Cain was not giving his best. He was sacrificing, but he wasn't giving his best. So why do you think that offended God? God knew that there was going to be a time, that there was a season coming that, that God was going to give his best. Everything in the Old Testament gives you a picture, paints a picture for what's about to happen in the New Testament, okay? In the Old Testament, everything represents something in the New Testament. So what do you think the firstborn and first fruits in the New Testament represented? Jesus, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, it says, but now... Christ is risen from the dead and has become the what? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. The what? The firstborn over all creation. God knew that the firstborn, the first fruits, represented the sacrifice of His own Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus was the tithe to His people. Jesus was the firstborn, the first fruit. God gave his best, and he gave his best before you appreciated it. He didn't wait and say, okay, look, guys, here's what I'm thinking. If you'll all love me, 
And we're going to take a vote. We're going, to, uh, we're going to text a survey, okay? Everybody pull out your phones. If you promise to all love me, text yes. And if I get all these yeses, I'm going to give you my son. No, he says, I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to give you my firstborn, the first fruits right now, even before you believe, even before you appreciate it. John 3, 16, this famous verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let me just paraphrase it for you. God so loved the world that he gave his firstborn, first fruits, the highest gift in the, in the world that he could possibly give. He gave you his absolute best so that we could have life. So God in return is now saying, so here is the economic system that I want to put in place. It's a biblical principle that I want to establish in my church. I want you to trust me. I gave my best. I gave you an example of what it looks like. I gave you the very best that I have. So as an example, I'm putting an economic system in place. And I'm asking you to trust me with the first fruits. I'm asking you to trust me with the firstborn. I'm asking you to sow, to give, and you watch if I will not give it back to you. I will give you provision. I will give you protection if you just trust me. And, and when it comes to the church, and, and I said this last week, and I mean this, I don't know who all, who all gives and what everybody gives. I don't know who our, our number one giver is. I don't know who gives nothing. The, I don't know those numbers. But all I know this is that there is a principle that if we caught it inside the church, it would unleash, unleash the windows of heaven in your life and in your family. As I, I've been reading this book again, The Blessed Life, it just has stirred so much inside of me, so much passion and excitement to, to, to be a blessing to people. The, the getting back is not the reward. I don't give so that I can get, but it's the promise. It's the promise that that's how he is. Hey, if you could help me. So I want, I want to ask you this this morning. Is where, where's your faith when it comes to giving? Where's your faith when it comes to, to tithing? It's not easy. And, and we've talked about it for for a couple of years in the church, we, we talk about where our finances are at and what our income looks like. <laughs> but this series is not about where the church is at because I said it last week and I'll say it again. The church has been provided for. We have never missed a month of payments. We have made every payment we've ever needed to make. We continue to have money. We've had some bad, bad months. And somehow, Brian, we keep making it, Right? We just keep making it. So the thing is, is this widow church doesn't need the money, but you need the blessing. You need the blessing. And God's asking you if you'll just trust him. It all goes back to this. First things first. First things first. Last week we talked about it being a heart issue, but we're at this point right now, the, the, this whole series comes down to this it's first things first if you get the first things in, in your life aligned right everything everything <laughs> you want a blessed marriage it all comes out of this first things first
your household. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. This story of, uh, of Elijah is just so powerful. And I'm going to go back to it just for a moment as your eyes are closed. God sends this man of God who, who was not in need of a blessing to this lady. With the whole purpose being, how can I bless her? How can I provide for her? How can I touch her son? How can I heal her son? How can I give her life? And it all came down to one test. One test. For Abraham with his son Isaac, it came down to one test. Can we put God first? Can we put God first? And so then, then you, you, have to, you have to confront yourself and ask, do I have the heart of Cain? Do I have the heart of Cain that it's all about me and it's all about me and I've got to hold, hold, hold? That you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand where I'm at. You don't understand what I need. Or is it all about the heart of Abel that says, you know what, God? I'm going to give you the very best that I have at the very, their very beginning as soon as I get it, God. Because I trust you. I trust that you love me so much that you gave your first. God, you gave your first. And we know that your word says greater love has no one, no one than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. And that's exactly what you did, Jesus. I've been examining my life as, as I'm reading this book and I'm studying this book and, and I've just been asking, God, do do I have the heart of Abel? Am I, am I excited? Am I excited to, to give? And this is not just about giving to church. It's, it's the attitude. It's the heart. It's about the loving people, the caring for people. And I realize that, that there's a lot of times fear steps in. And when fear steps into my life, I immediately jump from the heart of Abel to the heart of Cain. Because the heart of Cain is to protect itself first. So we're going to pray this morning. And I'm going to ask you to just examine your own life and just pray. And I ask, I ask that your prayer be this. God, give me the heart of Abel. The heart of Abel. Where, where you not only accepted the, the gift that I brought, Lord, but you, you used me. And, and the word says, even though he's dead, he still speaks because he's a great example that he was a giver, that he was faithful, that he trusted you with all his heart. Everything that he had, God, he trusted you. Father, I ask right now, Jesus, that you help us to grasp this. This is it's always a hard thing, Lord, in the, in the church when you start dealing with the area of finances, God. But this is a message to unleash something special in our life. The blessing, the provision, the protection, God, that you have. 
Lord, the hand that, that you're holding over us right now. Rebuking the devourer from taking and destroying and stealing from our life. So God, I ask that, that we get this principle of first things first. That we get this concept, Lord. And I ask God that your hand just be upon this house this morning. Lord, that your hand be upon the church this morning. God, I ask if, if there's anything in our hearts, Lord, that we need to address, God, I, I, I bind that right now. I push that to the side. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that, that doesn't know you, that's never made a commitment to you, God, I, I pray right now that you just begin to stir on their heart how much you love them. That God, even before we accepted you, you, you loved us so much that you gave your very best. And even still to this day, so many people don't appreciate it and could care less, God. But we stop and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your best. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your best. Thank you, Jesus, God. Lord, I ask right now that you just begin to stir us up, God. Stir us up to be men and women of faith. Men and women of faith, God. Come on, would you stand with me for a moment? Hallelujah, Jesus. I want us to just, I want Eddie and the guys to lead us in this course for a few minutes. And just consecrate yourself to Christ. Just say, God, here am, am I. Use me, mold me. God, teach me, develop me. And to have a heart like Abel had. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to The Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.